Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. And today we're going to get better with Ralph Macchio. He wrote a book called Waxing On, The Karate Kid and Me, and I loved it. I read it this weekend. Uh, But first, we'll start with our quote of the day, as we always do. Movies will always be movies, and you can never replace that feeling of when the lights go down and the images come up. That is from Ralph Macchio himself, Heel Squad. Welcome back. Very, very excited to be chatting with Ralph today. He's talking about his new book, like I said, Waxing On. And if you've listened to the show before today, you know that Kevin and I, my husband, are diehard Cobra Kai fans. We're Karate Kid fans. Cobra Kai is so bomb. It's it's so fun. And I'm really excited to chat with Ralph, perhaps give him an interview he hasn't gotten before because I've been a little kind of bummed by some of his interviews. I'm like, everyone's just focusing on ah, the fact that he still looks so young or, or, you know, um, I don't know. I'm like, there's so much to talk to him about. And there's so many stories in this book and, and a lot to be inspired by. I mean, this is somebody who, you know, came up and was, Uber successful was like early eighties, right? Yep. And I forget when Karate came, Kid came out officially. Don't yell at me unless you really know. Is it early eighties? I sure? know it was early eighties because that's when his career took <laughs> off. Because we were just looking. Because you're yapping me, and I'm the one who should know more <laughs> no, than you. We so just, that's why I'm like, if I don't know, we were just looking through all the dates. That's why I knew. So Karate Kid came out um, in 1984. 84. Okay, so he really succeeded in the mid eighties, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a lot of people, his, in his time and age went down some really rough paths and he didn't. And so I want to know how he kept a good head on his shoulder to inspire anybody out there who thinks they can do this and keep a good head on their shoulder. I was one of those that was like, dad, I really, I swear I'll be good. (laughs) Um, and then also, you know, really being tied to a franchise like this and having, the hardships that he had in his career as well and how he navigated those. And so there's so many things I want to ask him about 
of course I want to ask him about season six, but he had a really powerful conversation with Warren Beatty that, uh, oh man, you get to watch someone look back at moments of their lives when they weren't taking in information and, and how they processed it then, how they would process it now, how it helped them. Um, you know, he worked with Robert De Niro and, um, was very close on some really big things. And the thing that helped him also kind of hurt him a lot of the way. Mm. And that's, that's the rub, right? Like he was about to potentially star in this amazing movie with Sidney Lumet, but then the Karate Kid 3 was happening and he couldn't. And what people don't ever get to see is the behind the scenes of what is kind of challenging um, someone's career and even though this made him, it also kind of stuck him in some ways. And so there's a lot I want to ask him about. I'm really excited. Um, but it's funny to see how it comes all first full circle again later in life. And now Cobra Kai is like the hugest thing ever and super, super successful. Um, and so his career continues on. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to always still look young and fresh yeah. and of course Kevin and I were Cobra Kai for Halloween this year which was super fun anyway uh let's take a quick break when we come back we'll be chatting with Ralph Macchio when you're on the go 24 7 like me guys finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials it's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. The book tour is is all new. You know, it's a uh... It's a whole new world. Feels like a subculture, but it's not, I guess. It's just new. You don't, um, but the people are showing up. It's just crazy. It's like a little bit of a a rock tour, you know? Yeah. You go and they screen, they jump up, they have their books, they wait online. 
Um, it's really kind of quite wonderful. And, um, you know, and due to the, the Cobra Kai of it all, it's not like I'm doing any reunion tour from the 80s. It's contemporary and relevant and yet nostalgic. Right? Isn't that so cool? So. I mean, I saw your Instagram and there's thousands of people in the audience. I mean, it's major. So yeah. when they, was it the book publisher that proposed the idea of doing a tour or was that your idea to do a tour? Um, no, it, it was definitely not my idea, but I understood, you know, the worth of it. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of competition in any kind of media, you know, certainly in the fall, which we, they, they wanted this book to be released in the fall and it's, you know, the sort of the pre-holiday time. So it's a crowded market, I would imagine. And, and, um, you know, you use every advantage you have. So I have this halo of this just released season five of Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid universe now globally engaging all ages. It it seemed to make sense to sort of create, you know, in certain cities, a, a little bit of a so-and-so's coming to town kind of thing. And uh, and so I, I signed on at, at, at that point and understanding that that would be beneficial to sort of cut through all the noise of, um, you know, just like anything, you know, if you have a show that opens on a day that's against Game of Thrones and the Sopranos, you got to do some work. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so cool. I, um, I don't, I think, you know, I'm a diehard Cobra Kai fan, but yes, I do know that. Okay, cool. Cause I remember when I saw you guys at, um, you and William at, at and your writers at Craig's, I was like, yeah. Oh my God. And then my husband was like, why didn't you ask more questions? I'm like, honey, I'm not going to badger them at dinner. It was enough that we caused a scene. It was, listen, <laughs> we were more flattered and excited that, you know, we had attention from from you guys than, uh, so it was a two-way street. Let's put Perfect. it that way. Perfect. Well, season five was amazing. And uh, we watch it instantly. I think like every other Cobra Kai fan, once it like hits, we all just mm -hmm. get to a TV and just, totally binge. Um, and so that fandom is, is so many ages now for you. It's, it's like mm -hmm. us, us fans of the past and then there's new fans. And I think you called it kind of multi-generational, right? Like parents are watching right. with their kids. So what are you seeing at the book tour? I mean, I was trying to like close up and see like if you're seeing the same yeah, kind of representation same, same type of thing it's really yeah it has become um listen the karate kid has never gone away even in you know the late 90s early 2000s certainly for me it hasn't you know it's it's one of those uh i'm, I'm connected to that role uh forever and i i embrace that and obviously the book speaks to that it's been you know a journey of walking in those shoes for nearly 40 years and and how impactful that character was and is and inspirational and sort of a part of, you know, a lot of our childhoods, if you will. And and now I have, you know, 12 and 14 year old kids who know who Mr. Miyagi is and want, want and ask me questions about him. And it's kind of uh, uh, really unique in that way. And so on the book tour, we uh, and a lot of the people, the bookstore owners that sponsor these book tours in each city. That was a, a big part of their comments that they haven't seen that before, where they'll see, you know, someone in their a couple in their 50s and uh, 
and uh, kids in the college age and in their 20s and then 12 and 14 year old kids dressed up as the Karate Kid or or Johnny Lawrence, William Zapka's character or one of the younger generation cast from the show. A lot of, you know, a lot of uh, Daniel LaRusso wannabes from 10. I mean, I've seen that I mean, some woman had like an infant <laughs> with the headband and the white <laughs> robe on, you know, and uh, it's so it's it's become a little bit like a Marvel cinematic universe. It's You're like, right. it's a little, you know, it's it's really sort of like you, uh, it's not Captain America and Iron Man, but in a way it has that oh, kind yeah. of embrace. Yeah, you'd have your own Comic Con kind of thing for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So right. I spent my Saturday with you, <laughs> just mm-hmm. me and your book. Oh, that's and great. Thank you. It was so great. Um, there were so many great things about it. First of all, you know, getting to hear your journey to becoming um, LaRusso and the Karate mm-hmm. Kid and all of that. But, you know, even and then and then at the end hearing, you know, your conversations with Warren Beatty and being up for mm-hmm. that Sidney Lamette movie. So there's so many things I want to cover today. And I definitely got a little frustrated watching some of your interviews with some of my favorite people, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why does everyone just say the same stuff? It is. You're exactly right. Can we talk about something different? Yeah. Well, it's because it's, listen, you got your six minutes or eight minutes or whatever you you get. And then then obviously there's a lot that tied into, and because I talk about this in the book, that there is on YouTube, there is videotape of my first audition, of Pat Morita's first audition, of me and Elizabeth Shue for the first time reading a scene together. So obviously for the visual, they all ran to that. So there was a whole lot of talk about that. Which is adorable because when you say you can see it on YouTube, I was like, no, I don't want to put the book down. Then I'm like, oh, but, uh, screw it. I, but I want to see yeah, it. So I did. <laughs> I'm one of the, I, my, I was joking the other night uh, that, that my my book comes with visual aids. Uh, not only the movie, now you get behind the scenes visual aids. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yes, you're right. Uh, very often, um, you know, when you have your six minutes on whatever talk show, you it's kind of... It's limited. I won't say the low-hanging fruit, but you, you know, it's all the top, the top hits and not as much the deep cuts and the dives in, into the areas of the book that that may be fresher, newer, more interesting and untold, certainly. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get to some of that. So what I found fascinating was one of the things was how the director of the Karate Kid, John Avildsen, is that how you say his name? Avildsen, yeah. Avildsen. I knew there was something I was missing in there. Um, Really was immersing you in this world, like I, like he knew he was making like a masterpiece. Like that's what it feels like. I mean, he's high. What was the high recording, the videotape called that he was using, the camera? Oh, uh, probably high, a JVC, you know. The t- it was I'm thinking like, of like a high eight or something. He's like. Yeah, it was sort of like that. He was filming your every move, wherever every move. you were off camera before you even had the role. Exactly. Well, listen, if I, the last time I had dinner with him years uh, years later and, and years back, uh, he was still videotaping. I said, Did you, I'm just ordering. We don't have to shoot that. Stop he, it. He was, uh, that was just, he was a camera. He just visualized, he's loved to have the footage and then he would edit it at night. He was a true filmmaker, you know? Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, that was part of what I, I do write to that when I, when I came into, uh, read for, for the Daniel LaRusso role, he had the camera, he had like this the whole time. He was just holding it and he had the pages on his lap. And even when he was explaining the role to me, 
um, before we started reading, he was just shooting that. And it was at first I was a little self-conscious of it at that point. And I kind of didn't understand why shouldn't we just like put the camera up when it's time to read the scene? Um, I didn't question him. He had won an Oscar for Rocky. I figured he knew what he was doing. <laughs> um, uh, but later, you know, as you you think back, I think back on all this stuff, that's been the beauty of writing the book. It's actually looking at those moments and coming back from a point of, for lack of a better description, wisdom or have living lived longer and understanding. He was just capturing behavior and 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 the part that wasn't the acting part that gets all you know, you get all up in here, you want to give your performance. And so I think uh, you're equally, the audition is equally the conversation beforehand. And then obviously, you still need to deliver the performance. But um, but even when so, you weren't auditioning, he was filming you. Yeah, all, all the time. And then and it was like a boot camp for you to become the karate kid. I mean, he was not only immersing you in the train, like he was just, it was like a full court press, like for this to succeed, everybody's got to be a billion percent in yeah, that's all how day, he, every he day. Was, he was a stickler for all that stuff, for the rehearsing, the, the martial arts, the bike, you know, riding the BMX bike. I never got great at it. He, he had me work with this wonderful guy and did all these tricks and I just kind of sucked at it. I was just <laughs> like, I mean, soccer, I was okay, but all the little a specialty moment juggling the soccer ball, which was written into the script and and riding a bike. He wanted me to really be it was interesting because I I had met Spielberg not long before that for ET. Um and it was all about the first question is how are you on a bike? How are you because ET obviously the bike was a big part of all these kids. Um it was for one of the uh friends roles one of the friends. And um and so then with Avelton it was back I said back on this bike everybody needs you to ride a bike. You got I knew how to ride a bike but I didn't know how to do the tricks. But all that stuff and the training the you know just the physical training to get your stamina up that was uh, as soon as I hit the tarmac in Los Angeles I, he was I had my daily itinerary and I didn't quite have the part yet. I had the offer for an option, which is the, you know. And a screen test. And a screen test. Basically, it's a screen test option. And it was a three picture uh, deal. So this was early in the, the, the days of locking up an actor when a studio felt they might have something that would go beyond the one entity. You know, so, you know, I liken it to like a, an Olympic coach. It sounds like he was like your ice skating coach. He, Mm -hmm. you had to just wake up, eat, breathe and sleep every part of this role till you showed him there was no doubt you could nail this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, I think the acting part of it and the, is, am I the right guy for the part? That was easy. Right away. Yeah. Uh, for him, it was. But you can tell and, that from the audition. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And and, and but I, I don't think he didn't think I'd be there physically. It was just about you know this is it. This has to be great because yeah. on the day, you know, and it was with Pat Morita and myself, especially with all those, you know, show me wax on, show me paint the fence, and all those those chores that turned into moves. It turned into the big cheer in the theaters. Everybody. So like, holy crap, that means this. And now he's, you know, it was the magic of of waxing a car and teaches you how to block, you know, and that that was that wish fulfillment element that was so woven so well into the script. That was the stuff he really pushed on because he said this has to be better, faster, quicker. And the fact that he had Rocky as his leverage point, I had I didn't have much of a leg pun intended, 
to stand on yeah. to fight back. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was really cool to like you know just read and experience that through your eyes mm-hmm. and and then the casting of everybody and how that all came together. Um, it was it was an intense process, and then mm-hmm. you know to to um, to see that nothing changed basically from your your audition to who you ended up on screen was also really cool. It is really interesting. I didn't notice that till years later, till when I watched that tape, and I'm like, well, that's kind of the kid. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Wasn't like wow, that's where it started, and this is where it went. You could see those elements. Um, you know, a lot of that was just, uh, me being natural me and kind of just amping up a little of the bravado and the, the guy that won't take no for an answer and won't leave well enough alone. That's the biggest difference between Daniel LaRusso and Machio. I think if I, I always say, if I got my ass kicked by five motorcycle riding karate experts, I probably would have not gone back. I yeah. probably would have said, you know what? Maybe I'll hang out over here, but that doesn't make for as much fun of a movie. So what's also crazy is just kind of how this whole franchise has gone. So you sign on for all three. You have no choice. Mm-hmm, correct. And um, and of course, you know, now it's got its complete resurgence. But there's so much that happened after the first that could have taken your career in different directions. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's frustrating. And I can feel your frustration as you're writing about it. And I love the honesty of it all. Because right. when you're in the industry, we all understand that you're you're locked and you can't be touched. And so even if you were going to have somebody that was going to believe in you and not the stereotype of, oh, he's only known as this now... Mm-hmm. You, you can't escape it somehow. And, right. you know, there's all these things in deals where you can't work for a competitor for a few months. And there's all kinds of stuff that no one ever gets to see. And right. so um, just reading about like Sidney Lamette wanting you to be a part of his movie and then it conflicting with Karate Kid 3. Share a little right. bit about that with everybody and kind yeah, of how a, a challenging story, that was. Right? Yeah, well, that was that was the most challenging time for me, um, um, you know, and I had I had twofold things going on. One, it was a a very um, um, popular movie. And um, and uh, and then I was in the contract, but more so but on top, not more so. But in addition to I was then now approaching my late 20s and looking young for my age. So it wasn't like I could, you know, go into my closet and come out, go into my, you know, come, come out of one season into the next and have, you know, grow, grow a full beard and have this sort of gruff kind of, you know, I came out, I had a a kid quality to me that I, I still kind of in a weird, odd way have, I have a youthful energy, um, you know, that just is who I am. And so, so the fact that I was aging slowly and attached to a part that was called a kid, it did not, uh, it did not help to branch out. The thing with, I was on Broadway with Robert De Niro and a play called Cuban is Teddy Bear. Burt Young was in the play as well, who played Paulie in the Rocky uh, films. Um, and so I was doing something that was just amazing and awesome. And, and this uh, is right after Karate Kid. This was after Karate Kid. Karate Kid 2 was in the movie theaters. Okay. 
Um, Crossroads was a film I did right before that. So that had just left Karate Kid 2. Was in, it was a big summer of 86. And uh, and the Karate Kid 3 was on tap, um, even though I didn't know what the script was. And, um, you know, I had met Sidney Lumet a few times, uh, one of the great filmmakers, of, when I think of Serpico and Network and Dog Day Afternoon, some of those great films of the 70s. And it wasn't, he didn't offer me a role in the film. And I was very clear with that in the book. He was considering um, and uh, and just the using that story, um, um, it was conflicting time wise with when Karate Kid 3 was slated. And so. At the end of it all, River Phoenix played the role spectacular, nominated for an Oscar. And I, I allude to this in the book a few times In success. Usually the right actor gets the, the right part. So I in no way had sour grapes about that. Um, and in essence, the, the production schedules uh, did not land at the same time. It just the ship had sailed, basically. Because but when was, you could have been a part of it, you couldn't because the production schedules were going to be the right, same. Exactly. So exactly. then the sucky part is, oh, they weren't the same. I could have done it. Right. But yeah. the right guy wound up doing it. That's the way I look at it. I talk about Matthew Roderick as Bueller. I talk about, you know, Michael J. Fox as McFly. I talk about myself as LaRusso. It seemed that the right guys got the right parts. You know, that's how I look at it. And I don't, I don't get bitter about that. But at the moment it was, and I use that story. Um, there were some other examples of that, but I use that story as um, because it bridges into the sort of the Warren Beatty story, um, which, which is, I want to hear. He came in, he came in on a day, uh, Cuban is teddy bear. Once again, I'm on Broadway. And because it was De Niro, everyone came to see the show. Um, now I'll take a little credit for some people coming, but uh, between the two of us and Burt Young, we, you know, there's pretty good firepower on the stage. And, and, uh, the day that Warren Beatty came in, and I'm sure he has no recollection of this whatsoever. Um, but, um, I doubt it. And maybe he does. Maybe he does. Um, I bet he um, does. I was, I, what, what did you say? I bet he does. Yeah, he might. He might. You were a huge um, star. He was trying to mentor you. Yeah. He was just given, you know, he saw in me, uh, maybe maybe a piece of something that he might have experienced back in his day and was was uh, he came in. It was a I think it was a Sunday matinee performance and he came into the dressing room, which was I was honored. But I was also in that mindset of uh, when he complimented the karate kid at the time, I was I sort of I didn't I sort of poo pooed it a bit at the moment. Because I was, um, I wanted to talk more about the play and about you know working with De Niro and all that stuff, and and he just, um, um, without going into too much detail, because I want people to read read the story, he basically gave me some some thoughts on 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 how you can uh, embrace both, and you don't have to have they're not mutually exclusive, um, and you can um, be open to all that you gain from a very successful film that reached a lot of people and um you know so i always likened it to the as if he was uh heaven can wait one of my favorite movies uh favorite warren Beatty movies when when he's trying to reach uh his best friend who doesn't recognize him because he is in another person's body and uh and i i enjoyed writing that a bit because it was weeks later i started thinking like it's almost like he was trying to talk to me and i wasn't seeing it I wasn't seeing him, but it didn't take long after that for me to 
see that that wisdom going forward. And that's why I've, you know, come to to embrace it all, the good, the bad, the you know, or the challenges. I won't you can't really say anything that there's bad about Daniel LaRusso or the karate kid in my life. It's really truly a gift that continues to keep on giving and a legacy that carries on in a world that may not always be so happy. Um, I get to spread a little bit of joy with this this role. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Absolutely. Well, it also is interesting because you didn't kind of experience some of the other things that people in Hollywood have experienced. You Mm -hmm. always say you're the anti a true Hollywood story. Right. 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 And it's funny because that's Daniel LaRusso, right? Mm -hmm. He was a good kid. And, and so are you, you're a good adult too. Not just a good kid. You're a good Uh adult. Um, and so your, your lives have those interesting parallels. So like when I talked to Stallone, I'm like you, Rocky Balboa was literally your life. Like it's your parallel Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's so interesting when you, when you can kind of see the characters and the real life kind of mirror each other in some mirror ways. Yeah. It's so, the blurred lines as I call it. Yeah. So do you see that? I do to, to a point. Um, um, and I think those, you know, the guys who create the Cobra Kai show also in, in essence have, you know, sort of written along those those lines, LaRusso, someone who's married, you know, uh, successfully has a wife that's got his back and, you know, two kids that are well adjusted, but going through the bumps and, and grinds. I mean, and, you know, the Cobra Kai of it all 
gets a little soap opera and that's just part of the tone of the show which is awesome so much yeah people (laughs) love it i mean two people that are arguing about you know the karate in the valley like it really means something i always joke that if it was me i would probably move and just take up a different sport and have a much easier life yeah you know but that, that doesn't make uh for great entertainment and and so so yeah so there are those parallels he has two kids i have two kids i've been married a very long time and LaRusso's, you know, married, successful. They wanted to honor the happily ever after of it all for Daniel LaRusso and then the the nosedive into misery for Johnny Lawrence. And then you flip that and that's the inroads to the Cobra Kai universe. Um, and then now it's kind of balanced out with season five, four and five with these these guys you love to see them. It's the Ross and Rachel of mm-hmm. our show is what uh, one of our showrunners would always say. You know, you love them together, but you love them when they're arguing, too. And that's um, that dynamic works. But very often, once they get married, the show's over. So you have to keep that ball up in the air. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, there are similarities and differences. You know, that's a, is a Miyagiism, different but same. Mm hmm. You know, you know um, let me see. What page was it? Was it 195? Um, where you talk about the times that you were frustrated with the limitations in your career. Um, you know, I was saying before you came on, it's like the very thing that made you also created some limitations that were challenging. Yeah, yeah, created hurdles. What do you yeah. think helped get you through that? Was it Warren Beatty's advice? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, it was good, sound, uh, advice, but it wasn't, it was the fans. It was, um, um, part of it's my own sensibilities. I never went so far down any dark place of frustration where I wasn't functioning. I was seeking it in a bottle or in a drug or in a, uh, some kind of seductive something else that never that's part of my upbringing part of the my my relationship with my wife that's been you know we've been married since 1987 um it's 87? 35 years wow crazy god bless you guys that's one amazing <laughs> yeah so i mean who, who's got that story to tell you know so a, a great deal of uh um credit goes to to that partnership and um and then I joke sometimes, sometimes I joke that all my sports teams in the 80s were doing well. So when I was in between jobs, I would fly back to New York to go to the Met games and to go to the Islander Stanley Cup finals. And so maybe if my team sucked, I would have been aimlessly walking around Sunset Boulevard <laughs> and wound up outside the Viper Room. Who the hell knows? You know, I, I um, so some of it's the universe had a plan, right? If you think that way or not, but a decent amount is the foundation of, of, of who I am and how I was raised, but it was the fans over the years that would come up to me and speak so earnestly and heartfelt about how much that movie meant to them, to their dad, to their mom, their brother. It's the one they watched with their grandfather all the time and he was no longer there or he was the Mr. Miyagi in their life or they didn't have a Mr. Miyagi in their life and this kid helped them with the bullying and under and felt like they could relate to that and that now this is way bigger than anything else it becomes it's where entertainment and media can actually make 
that different in, difference, especially in a fictionalized story, when the characters are beautifully written, got to credit the screenplay and presented, got to credit the director and the studio and everything else. Um, and then the magic of Pat Morita and that character that creates the wish fulfillment, the aspiration, the inspiration, you know, seeing that with adult men and women and kids when they would come up to me, which just happens all the time through even the frustrating years when I wasn't working as much that kept the ball that that's why the embrace um, came instead of it being like, Oh, I'm going to, you're going to be on better together with Maria today. And, and, and me tell my publicist, yeah, but I don't want to talk about that film. Okay. I'm mm -hmm. working on this now. Let's not talk about Daniel Russo karate. Can we, that was then this is now that's BS to me, yeah. especially in this, with this role. You know, I can understand certain actors. It's like they're always answering, like you mentioned, I'm on those talk shows with the same five minutes of the same questioning. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, 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 you know, you read the book, you know, I end the book. It's all about the fans. They, they did not allow this character or this franchise to go away. Mm -hmm. The fans weren't there. Cobra Kai wouldn't work either. You need people to want to see it. Yeah. And the execution is super important. And that's what's worked two times with Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. Just beautiful, beautiful execution. What words of wisdom do you have for people who are down? Because, you know, you did talk about how there were really challenging times where you didn't know how you were going to provide for your family. Mm -hmm. How did you navigate those waters? Um, for me specifically, um, you know, my wife worked, um, so that, you know, that helped when I wasn't, the income wasn't the same, certainly. Um, I, uh, I was fairly, I guess the advice, <laughs> um, and it is, I was led pretty, I, a pretty modest life all through it. I never, you know, I never bought the car I always wanted on the first payday. You know, I never, you know, I mean, I enjoy nice things, but it wasn't about that for me. So um, I was very conservative with my, with, with money. Even you know, before, I didn't, I didn't, even when you were at your peaks? I think so. I, yes. Yes. And I think that's part, it goes back to the upbringing. I think that goes back to, I understood generally the value of a dollar my dad was a self-made man and successful and my mom and they're still together today god bless and they're in their early 80s and mm. they are the two you know along with my wife and kids the most proud people you could imagine they were just at the book event in new york city and they you know it was just wonderful wonderful to share so i've been blessed you know i've had it i have that so it's always tough when you ask a question like this on how to hand out wisdom to, to everyone, because not everyone has that same, has dealt that same hand. Yeah. And so I've had that support uh, around me, but during those times when you are alone and it's just you, uh, just me and sitting there thinking about, you know, when they say the late nineties, I mean, my cousin Vinny had come and gone just a, another terrific film that, that I still hear quotes about everywhere yeah. I go. Um, and, um, and then, you know, the work kind of dried, the acting work dried up and I dove into some screenwriting and tried to take what I learned from 
John Avildsen, Francis Ford Coppola, Walter Hill. I got to work with some of the finest filmmakers in in cinema, in American cinema, certainly. And so I made some short films, and that's what kept the creative juices uh, going. You know, one of them got into Sundance, it was sold to HBO. Those were little victories when the acting stuff wasn't wasn't on the forefront. So I was able to be creative, which is a is a big part of fulfillment, but doesn't necessarily keep the lights on or the food on the table. So it was a balance. There's that word that is so woven <laughs> into the Karate Kid universe, but we could, you know, you could attest as well. Balance, it's important to uh, to have that in your life yeah. um, and strive for it. Well, and you you had something that Mr. Miyagi taught you that I really, really loved. Let me see if I can mm-hmm. find one page. Um, I know you said your recipe for avoiding the pitfalls was one foot in, one foot out, but one then Miss, out. Mr. Miyagi's lesson of walk on road, walk right side safe, walk left side safe, walk middle, sooner or later, you get squished just like a grape. Right, right. That's my one, you know, when someone asks me which Miyagiism do you have you taken with you? And there's a there's a few of them, but that is um that's about making choices, owning choices, right or wrong. Um, they're yours and you you uh you know, you you gain through that decision as opposed to stuck in the middle. Now, obviously, if you do a deep dive on that, if you make terrible choices and they hurt people, then it's then it kind of doesn't hold. That's extreme, water, but, but anything extreme. But that's extreme, right? So, uh, outside of something extreme like that, I do believe, um, you know, and any time I waffle in the middle was when I uh, wound up with. Um, regretting it or wishing I did it wish I made a choice. Mm -hmm. So that's just, I like to have that in the book, just even for a young reader to see, you know, who might be being pushed and pulled by peers or, or, um, or uh, peer pressure and stuff like that. And just try to, you know, make that choice and stick with it and own it, whether it it works or not. Um, And that comes right from Robert Kamen's uh, screenplay for the Karate Kid. Mm hmm. Well, I think that's kind of what you did in that tougher period. You made a mm-hmm. choice to stay creative. Yep. And then yep, exactly. built on those victories. Yep. And and then William came to you with a short. I think what I remember him saying in the book was, um, I think there's still some more like left in these guys. Yes. Right. Yeah, some more. Which exactly. kind of is the precursor in a sense to Cobra Kai. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was way ahead of that. More ahead of it than I was. Um, mind you. If you don't have the great writers that you met that night, those yep. three guys that are the biggest Karate Kid fans that really care so much about it. Um, if you don't have that and the execution and the wherewithal to see the, the next generation and the younger cast and how that builds in and how you mirror stuff from the original. I mean, they just do a beautiful job of mm-hmm. weaving uh, that um, then it's just an idea. And that's what it was with Billy and I. He had he had an idea, but never a fully fleshed out idea. Um, just just that there was room for these two guys, because it's interesting. I mean, he could probably speak to it better than than I can. But from his perspective of walking in the shoes of the real bully, even though some people thought the kick was illegal and <laughs> he's the real karate kid. And it's, in, you know, pop culture has so much fun with that. And I addressed that in my theories and debates chapter. Yep. Um, um, but walking in his walking in his uh, Johnny Lawrence's shoes, 
um, you know, there's, and he's a very creative person and a filmmaker as well. Um, you know, he was able to see that maybe there's something here where these two guys come together in some way. To me, it always felt like a one-off idea, you know, okay, they're going to have a rematch in their forties if it was, that's what we were at the time. And it just seemed like an SNL sketch more than a fully realized work and narrative. And so that's what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to just parody. They were already parodying, parodying um, the Karate Kid and you know, with sitcoms and SNL and and uh, all over because it's become such a big part of pop culture over the decades. So I didn't want to just do the, the easy one-off. So it was always easier to say, no, thank you. But at one point we got really close um, literally right before the Cobra Kai guys came to us, this, the creators, we were actually talking about doing something together for a short form content, maybe uh, like a, a branded content or a Comedy Central type thing, just little short excerpts of him and I, two opposites. And it never came to to fruition, but it was almost at the drawing up the paperwork phase mm -hmm. to seeing if we could make it make sense. And then I said, wait, we should hold up. These guys have an idea. Let's listen to that. Yeah, well, Crazy. it's like you kind of put it out into the universe. Yeah. And at uh, that yeah. point, you guys had started doing some TV appearances together, like How I Met Your Mother. How I, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, that was a little bit before then. Did and the writers say that they saw that? Like, I wonder what the impetus they was for they, this. They, deny, they say it had nothing to do with it. Wow. I still they, I still say to them, I say, you mean not even a little bit? Yeah. But they said no, because they were, for 10 years, they said they were trying to figure out how to get back into the Karate Kid universe. The difference is the only way to have done it would be a big tentpole movie, a two-hour thing with the big event, the mm -hmm. big climax at the end. And then it they could never, um, um, once again, I'm speaking for them, but they it didn't make enough sense to to sell that or to get that sold. Where then when the the, the streaming services of the world and the ability to I think they said Fuller House was, they remember driving down Sunset and seeing the big billboard for Fuller House. And they said, wow, if you could do that, mm -hmm. maybe we could do this. So I think that's where John Josh and Hayden, who create Cobra Kai, came up with that. But the How I Met Your Mother of it all, which I mentioned a few times in the uh, in the book, was really, it was the beginning of all these comedy writer rooms. You know, I would so often hear this from comedy writers, TV writers. I mean... The Karate Kid would be quoted like all the time. It was like, you know, almost like sports analogies to, to these writing teams. And uh, credit them for taking their one of their leads in characters. And Neil Patrick Harris is Barney Stinson, that, of course, his favorite childhood film character would be the evil bully Johnny Lawrence and that he was truly robbed of his rightful victory by this skinny string bean of a kid from New Jersey. And it is, you know, and Neil delivered that so beautifully. And that was sort of the beginning of the me starting to see this subcultured theory, this underground, um, who's the real bully. And I write to all that stuff and it's kind of, uh, fun, uh, in a way, it was like initially uh, like this gut punch of like, what? I've been, you know, played this part that's been a hero for 15, 20 years. And now all of a sudden, certain people are picking it apart. Um, it's that mixed with, oh, my God, people are talking about a movie I made 20 years ago, which only means that this movie still means something to people. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
Um, season six, has it been green light yet? I couldn't it find has anything. not. Why? I, you know, I'm every day I'm waiting. Why? Um, <clears throat> I think this is just crossing the T's and dotting the I's okay. between, you know, the, the television studio that produces it and Netflix who licenses it. Um, we don't need to be I, worried. You know, there's all discussion <laughs> that we're moving forward. I mean, okay. you folks, our fans are just like, come on now, stop toying with us. Um, I think there's more story to tell. The guys have more story to tell. I don't have any details specifically. Um, you know, we collaborate on all this stuff, but it really comes out of the writer's room. And um, hopefully any day soon, and, you know, we get that word and then get it out. There's also a big strategic thing with Netflix on when they make those announcements mm -hmm. and how, how they, you know, it's all part of the promotion package. But um, it is not officially greenlit, but we are hopeful to say the least. Is it written? We're in pretty good shape. Say that again. Is it written? It is not written. Oh, no, okay. no. So the guys are working on another show right now. Uh, the creators of Cobra Kai, they're in the probably, I think they finish up uh, soon, probably in November sometime. Um, and then they have to edit that show and you have the holidays. And I think, I think the goal is if we get a pickup to get started right after the first of the year and the writing process. But, you know, I got, I have nothing, I have no concrete info. So I keep telling people, you know, Keep watching and tell your friends and keep it going so we could keep doing what uh, we love to do and what you guys love to watch. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm sure they have ideas of how, where it can go because you watch it and you're like, where else can it go? I don't know. Like how many times are they going to fight? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but because it is so opera-y, I mean... Mm -hmm. You can. There's always a door that closes. There'll be one that opens next to it, and and another. They're really great at that. And uh, and there's even stuff we had. Uh, some every season of the show has a few scenes that don't fit because we just have too much, and we wind up punting that to the next season. So there are a few things that are that they held back. Uh, and putting that were intended to be toward the end of season five that they're holding to to advance more story for season six. They are very smart. Do you find yourself mentoring the young actors? I do a little bit. I I enjoy that. I think I think I even mentioned that in the book that I really enjoy. You know, just just talking a little bit about how it all was for me and the, the Pat Morita of it all. And that sort of they really lean into hearing those stories because they almost it feels like I feel like they take ownership and helping carry that torch forward. But um, um, I, I didn't expect that as much. And I think it's a credit to these talented young actors that are that are very open to it. I mean, it does trickle down. Like if Billy and I coming in to this show is the, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the two that hold up the tent, if you will, and the concept of the Cobra Kai series. And we did not set this standard for that openness. Um, I think, you know, that would, I think it does trickle down in a way, but we also talk every day about how much we get, how amazed we are with these kids and how hard they work and how awesome they are as actors and now how big of uh, stars they're becoming. So it's really no one, 
everyone cares. And I think that's why the Cobra Kai series works so well in the whole Karate Kid, you know, journey. Uh, people, the right from the writers down through the crew and, and certainly these young actors, no one feels like, you know, they're the shit. You know, it's their thing only. They know they're walking on kind of sacred ground that was, you know, built. The foundation is there. So they want to honor that and and help carry it forward. And that that really I enjoy talking to them about that and giving some little pieces of how I move forward with everything um and try to like even with this book at the end of this book i think you get that you know i i realize um you know i embrace what what uh what this all has meant to me in my life and career and i think they take that and maybe if they take just a little piece of that going forward in their very what will probably be very long uh successful careers then maybe they take a little piece of something that i learned in a good way yeah. you know do you think that, that, I mean, has, have other things happen? Obviously you have the book and the show, but is it giving you a new, um, kind of resurgence in, in the acting world is, are there other things you're going to pursue right now too? Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping for that. Listen, I mean, I'm, I'm playing a, a role that I played, even though he's a totally different role because he's a man with children and uh, responsibilities and, and no flaws. longer a kid. He's a dad. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, in the industry, you constantly have to, you know, recast yourself in, in the decision maker's eyes. We have a few scripts right now we're, uh, you know, out with and shaping and and some unscripted things as well. And obviously the book is something new and maybe uh, I have other ideas to write in the future, maybe even in di different genres, be it, you know, children's books or young adult or, uh, you know, another memoir type of thing. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see how this one does. And I appreciate the time with you to uh, to get the word out there. It's really, you know, you know, this is so easy to talk to you. It's really awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, I loved the book and I know anybody who gets it is going to love it. Um, again, it's called Waxing on the Karate Kid and Me. We'll put the links to buy it and to find Ralph in the summary of this episode. He's so wonderful. He's so sweet. Isn't he the nicest? Just like such a calm, kind person. I was like, wow, I could just sit and listen to you guys forever. It was so, I don't know why I didn't expect that. He's just really so zen and calm. I was I like, know. you're such a good guy. Well, that's that why fun. I feel like there's so many parallels Yes. I feel like he has Mr. Miyagi cemented in him, like the teachings, the lessons, and um, what an incredible example for anyone who, you know, is scared to send their kid to Hollywood and to be in this industry. I mean, there's no perfect recipe. It's really, yeah. really hard, but um, he really kept his feet on the ground and really... Um, and really navigated it all really well, or as well as you can, I think. I agree. And he's, I mean, he, he just seems like so down to earth. I mean, him and his wife being married for yet 30 plus years, which, and we read this, we were telling Maria, his grandma introduced the two of them, I which mean, I just die for. How cute. So cute. Yeah. He just is such a great guy. But I feel like, like such a connection because, you know, Kevin and I have been together uh -huh. for, forever oh my gosh i think it's 25 years now yeah. 
Um, I think we missed our anniversary. We missed our <laughs> wedding anniversary too. Like not just when we got together, our wedding anniversary was last month and my brother and my dad were like, we're so sorry we missed it. I go, so did we. <laughs> You're like, thanks for the reminder. Because <laughs> we had two weddings, so it's a little confusing. Anyway, um, I think that having Kevin, the entire journey through here grounded me and kept me safe as well. If you're single and you're all over the place, like it's hard, right? You're going to be very um, hard, very vulnerable, I think, to things. And so I always had that grounding force with Kevin and it sounds like he had that grounding force with his wife. And yeah. so it's pretty cool. It is cool. Yeah. Anyhow, friends, you will love the book. I loved it. I couldn't put it down. Um, and we will put all of that in the summary of the episode. And yeah, if you haven't hit subscribe, please do so you don't miss a great episode. We're here every single day. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. So this podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.